What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Earn Your Good Day podcast, where we have a fundamental belief that people are stronger, more resilient, and far more capable of things than they believe in or are told are even possible. I'm your host, Zach Kanadi. Now, before we kick off today's show, which is part three, uh, I have a quick ask for y'all, and that is that if you enjoy today's show, if you learn something from it, uh, if you find it entertaining, interesting, uh, please go ahead and share it with somebody. Have a conversation, share it on social media, talk about it. I'm trying to make this useful information for people to learn and better their lives. And so the more we can spread that out, the better. Because I think everybody wants to live a better life. I don't know about you, but I know I certainly do. That's why we're doing this. Anyways, back on to today's episode. This is the third and final part of the three-part series we've been doing, which is Routines and Rhythms. So the last two episodes have kind of gone something like this. The first one was just a little bit of a recap of everything, going over it all. Uh, kind of the main message was our routines and rhythms give us the skeleton to our days and lives. And then it's our job to use that skeleton and put on all the muscle of it. Uh, part two was the biological side of that, right? So our sleep-wake cycles, how... Um, Viewing sunlight in the morning sets up your correct circadian rhythm and you know slowly dimming it down at night, cooling it down at night kind of helps you go to sleep and then kind of when you're active, less active and everything you can do with that. Uh, super cool one. Today's episode actually is going to get uh, kind of cool. We're going to stick into a little bit of the biological system, but it's one that we can actually train and it's going to help how we see the world and what we notice and don't notice the most. Now what I'm talking about is our reticular activating system or what I'll be calling it today is our RAS, right? Like, all right, Zach, now what the heck is this? Before we dive too much into that, we're gonna answer a couple of questions with it today, give you guys a little bit of an outline as what it is, right? Um, how we see it in our lives, like when this thing is active, because it's active in everybody all the time. It's just, you know, whether it's helping us, not helping us, or even potentially hurting us, right? And then how we train it, because this is something that we can train and change to help us get better in lives, help us progress. Um, some It's kind of like the scientific explanation of the law of attraction. And then I have a quick call to action for you guys at the end. So let's kick it off with the functions. So our RAS is a group of neurons in our brainstem. It's actually sitting in the anterior or what's called the front half of our brainstem. And it's just, it's not a ton of them, but enough neurons that go through there. Uh, the right around the thalamus and the hypothalamus and the pons and the medulla. So in our very old or what's called our limbic or reptilian brain and this is kind of important because what this tells us, if it's in this area of the brain, it's a really old system because how brains start is they're just like the pons, the medulla, which is like the brain stem. And then we started adding layers on top of that, kind of like an onion. So the closer to the brain stem and the center it is, the older uh, that system is, right? So this is the system, the RAS is present for a very long time in brains. Um, for sure, mammalian brains, past that, I really couldn't tell you. 
I'm not an archaeologist or anything like that. But we know that this is a very old brain, meaning it's very important. And when we talk about the functions of it, you'll understand why. So the RAS has three main functions. It gives us implementations to our fight or flight system, right? So when we're in a sympathetic state, getting us really hyped whether we're gonna fight the bear, the tiger, um, or whether we're about to tell off the waitress because you know they brought us Diet Pepsi instead of Diet Coke and now we're pissed about it. <laughs> um, our wakefulness and alert state, right? So it has ties into last episode and that's because it also has a couple branches that go into the suprachiasmatic nucleus which if you remember that's the place that our central clock our central clock excuse me um, is held in the brain and that kind of dictates when we're supposed to be awake and when we're supposed to be asleep so this area kind of influences that and tells us tells that area a little bit more what to do it has some influence on how that goes into our sleep and wake cycles and then this last function which is I would say probably the most important, at least in today's context, right? And that is the ability to focus and what to focus on. And this is really quite important because uh, what we where, where focus goes, energy flows is a quote from Jim Quick. And I think that's really quite true because if you focus on all the negative things, all your problems, uh, how terrible everything is, how much life is beating you down, just kicking your ass. Well, frankly, that's what you're gonna get more of. And we all know people like this. We also know people who just bitch to bitch, right? There's always something wrong in their life. Somebody always did it. It's always somebody else's fault. Like everything's just falling down. The sky is falling, it's terrible. And it seems that that's all they do. Like, and you try to explain them. It's like, hey, you know, maybe look at it through this other lens. There's Maybe that person was going through a rough day and like, ah, no, fuck that. That's just a terrible person. Like, screw them. And maybe this is just me. But I kind of sit there and I'm like, how how can you not see that? And then when I started learning about this, the reticular activating system, it started to make a lot of sense. And that's because our reticular activating system, by how it tells us what to focus on, is actually by acting as a filter. So if you think about it, there is so much information surrounding us all the time, right? If you just look into the room or wherever you are right now, whatever your eyes are focused on, take a second and look around and see how many things you didn't notice or that you couldn't quite see or that weren't as clear uh, and you know maybe all the other noises that are going on outside of this podcast, you know, maybe pause it try and listen to everything. Uh, it's not like those things just suddenly started. They were there. You just, your brain just told you not to focus on them, right? Like you just weren't conscious of them. And that's actually critically important for us to do because if we were to take in and try and consciously process all the information, we probably look like most Martian movies do where our heads are the size of our bodies. And, you know, our bodies look ridiculously small because it would take so much energy just to constantly be processing all of that. This is also how we see, like, if you're at a bar or a restaurant and there's like four or five different conversations going on, but you're talking to one person across the table. And while, yes, you 
hear the other conversations going on, you can pick out that one person's voice, right? So that's actually your reticular activating system at work because it's filtering out and kind of deadening all the other conversations so that you can focus on what you deem most important in that moment. And that kind of leads me into the next part, right? Usually what we deem most important is what we want in life um, and what we repeatedly do, right? And now some of us, maybe what we repeatedly do, we don't deem most important, but because we're doing it so often, our brain thinks it's very important. And so it just it's essentially helping us look for those patterns. And our brain loves patterns, I tell you that. Right, so if you ever notice, um, that's also why we make quick judgments so fast about people because we're trying to look for patterns. Okay, boom, you know, they say the first impression takes place in the first five seconds, right? And then once you do that, because we kind of think we can judge somebody or assume how that person is in a very short period of time, and then after that, we're now uh, comparing every other interaction against the previous ones. So that first one, why it's so important is because if we have a poor interaction, now we have a negative view of that person and it's going to take more and more positive interactions to then change that view, right? So if we're taking talking about in the context of our RAS, we have to change that filter to view them in a different light, which is why they talk about having a really good first impression, you know, having a firm handshake, greeting somebody with a genuine smile, you know, sound being interested uh, when you talk to them and you ask them questions, right? I think I heard a quote on that comment by Tom Bilyeu. If you want to be interesting, be interested. Um, I think that's kind of a cool way to lead conversations and it's had, helped me really have some great conversations with random people. So I've had to do have conversation with random people in this last phase of live hard. Um, it's kind of weird, but that's a fun way to approach it, right? Being genuinely curious about people. Anyways, back on track. So some other places that we see this, right? I think a really clear example is when you buy a new car, uh, all of a sudden you start seeing that car all over the place, you know? And that's because you view it as really important, really exciting. It's this big new thing. And so now your brain is looking for that big new thing all over again. And that partly also, when you get excited about that, is a dopamine hit, right? And our dopamine, dopamine as we learned, is the molecule of motivation, which when we get the hit, uh, gives us that sense of drive and that sense of purpose as well as accomplishment. Uh, or dopamine leads to that sense of accomplishment. It doesn't necessarily give it to us even though there's a spike of it when we accomplish something. But we're, we're really going to spend the bulk of our time today is talking about what we repeatedly do, okay? The reason this is important is because there's actually some estimates that say up to 95% of our day is automatic or quote unquote subconscious, right? Like we don't actually put a lot of conscious thought into things simply because thinking about things, like actively thinking about things takes a lot of energy. I know a lot of people who listen are 
in college or graduating college or recently out of college, when you have to study for a long time, physically, you're not doing a whole lot usually, right? Maybe you're taking notes, reading a textbook or trying to solve problems, but mentally it uses up so much energy that you know, after even like even an hour, two hours of really hard studying, you feel kind of fried, right? You're like your brain isn't quite working as fast. You need a break, uh, and you're just for whatever reason you just like can't get any more information crammed into your head. And that's because while we're not physically using a lot of energy, mentally we're using up a lot of energy, right? Our brain is firing and it's it's a very energy demanding organ in our body Uh, even during exercise it takes upwards of like a 25 percent of the blood flow of our entire body while we're just exercising right so if we're thinking a lot i would imagine it's probably taking just as much if not more of our total blood flow so that just shows you like how demanding of an organ it is and Thinking is really what it's designed for, along with you know coordinating everything else in our body. But we're talking about thinking here today. And so to do that, our brain is also, well, there's two words to use. We, one is efficient, right? We want to conserve energy for the important things, right? But also it's, it's lazy because it doesn't want to do unnecessary work if it doesn't have to. Because if it's using all that energy, if we, you know, spend a work studying a rock and all of a sudden, you know, we have to make this life or death decision about what food to eat um, and our brain is foggy, well, that having studied the rock could have killed us because we make the wrong decision about whether this, we eat a poison berry or, you know, if it's a poison berry or if it's a healthy berry. Um, so it really wants to save this energy for important things which is why we have that reticular activating system. It's going to help us filter out those non-important things so that we can more easily uh, identify and attract or go towards those more seemed uh, deemed more important items, tasks, pe- excuse me, people, opportunities to get us towards our goals. All right. Um we see this because most of our day is pretty much the same. If you're not a student and you work a regular job, all the days you work probably look almost identical. You wake up, do the same thing in the morning every single day. Maybe you change up what you eat for breakfast a little bit, but that's probably the biggest decision you make. You probably leave work, leave for work around the same time, probably get to work around the same time. And then you do your work, which most jobs really doesn't take a whole lot of active thinking, maybe little bits here and there, but it's not like you're trying to redo the system, reinvent the wheel. You're really just trying to fix a spoke on that wheel. Then, you know, maybe you have lunch or a break, you hop on social media, eat some food, go back to work for a little bit, get home, maybe kick it or go out to happy hour with some friends, and then you have dinner, you relax, do your evening routine, go to bed, rinse and repeat. Uh, Every single day you do that. So you can see day to day, most days we're not actually making a lot of big choices. Our brain's just like, oh yeah, you have to do this, you have to do that, you have to do this, and you have to do that. Um, And I think most people kind of realize having some sort of structure is really important 
because you know what to expect. I actually had a client once and they were a foster parent to a uh, child who had gone through a lot of childhood trauma. And they said one of the biggest things that that child needs in order to feel safe and not be freaking out all the time is a really regular routine. Why is this important? Well, that trauma actually triggered them to be on the lookout for all sorts of really like anything out of the ordinary that could be related to that traumatic experience. So for them, having a really regular routine made it easier for them to spot abnormalities, right? Because they were already hair triggered uh, or hairpin trigger. They weren't thinking everything was a trigger to them. They weren't thinking everything was a threat because most of their day was very, very regular. It wasn't like every single day they're doing this brand new thing. Every single day, you know, is a whole new adventure and now they're all stressed because they don't know what to expect. That child could actually relax a lot because every single day was to the same degree or another, the same as the previous, right? Maybe like small details, what you ate or what clothes you wear or who you talk to on the ride to school or, you know, on the bus ride to school was a little bit different. But for the most part, everything else for that kid was the same. They got up at the same time. They had breakfast with their family. They got their lunch packed. You know, they went to school every day. Uh, they came home. They did homework. And they played games after their homework was done. Then it was dinner time. And then they had family time. And then it was time to get ready for bed. And they rinsed and repeat that pretty much every single day you know and for that family they said until they got onto that routine it was really stressful you know and that's because this kid's reticular activating system is always on alert they're always looking for threats because to them what's most important is staying alive right it's staying safe it's not getting hurt uh, so they need to look out right they need something familiar so that they could find more easily the unfamiliar and everything didn't seem like a threat. Okay. Now, that's kind of what it is, how it works, but how do we change it, right? And this is kind of gonna get a little bit into goal setting and maybe there's some ways that you can, you know, people might've heard this is like setting affirmations, um, the law of attraction and what that is. So it's kind of where that scientific explanation for the law of attraction comes into play and essentially if we want to change our what our reticular activating system filters in and out is we have to change what we deem important or make more conscious what we deem important because sometimes i think a lot of people even people that have like really negative lives or find a problem with everything, um, I think they tend, most people tend to have similar values, right? Like they wanna be a good person, they wanna be successful in their own definition, right? They, did, they wanna be liked by their peers and ideally most people wanna make the world a better place, right? I think the average person, you could say, would agree with those things. You know, maybe they don't wanna be out go out and be a Gandhi and literally change the world. Um, but, you know, maybe they just want to be a gym teacher and make sure kids have a lot of fun and get to work out in school and, you know, have a break from the boring 
you know, English, social studies, and arithmetic that we all know almost nobody cares about ever. <laughs> Until you get to choose, that's what you get to take. Uh, if you're an English major, social studies, or math major, uh, sorry, not sorry. I hated all of those classes. Um, I thought they're stupid. So obviously my RAS completely blew through those. But what we have, how we do this is we set an intent, right? And we actually make conscious and we have to put in a conscious effort to change what we're viewing. So let's take the example of negative Nancy, right? Let's say negative Nancy finally realizes that they're such a Debbie Downer and everybody gets kind of irritated and they're just sick of finding things to bitch about all the time. How would this person go about it? Okay. Well, first off, they're going to have their episode. They're going to have their bitch fest. And then after that, they start to make, con they start to realize it. Oh, okay. Well, I just bitched about that was it and then you ask yourself was it really worth bitching about was it really worth having that fit about complaining about and making a big of a deal as i did was it really worth it you know and then honestly think about it and this is the important part you have to honestly ask yourself the question because if you don't you're just going to waste your time so honestly ask yourself was it worth it right did that situation actually require that level of a response or could I have gone away with maybe a more a mild response could I have asked a question instead and you know uh, maybe found out after a little sooner that you know the person just made an accident because they're having a rough day or they're you know overwhelmed themselves and I can have a little empathy for them and you know everybody has a little bit better of a day and see if you could right because What's most likely going to happen is we're not going to catch those instances where we have our old habits right away, okay? But what we can do is we can catch ourselves in those old habits, right? Because we're, we're already there. We're only making a little shift at the beginning. You know, we're making a two-degree shift, which is not a big one, right? And this first one is literally just noticing it. And then pretty soon... Right now, our articula—the more times we do that, our articulatory says we're going to start to pick up. It's like, oh, hey, this is something I'm trying. My person is trying to focus on. All right, let's try and pick it up more and more often, and then we're going to start to do that more and more often. Now, eventually, the more effort we put into this, a couple of things will happen. One, we're going to start to have that thought closer and closer and closer to the event until we can actually have our catch ourselves while we're doing it right and then even later when we continue to put more and more effort into this we'll actually start to catch ourselves before that even happens and now that's when the magic happens right because now we can feel ourselves getting angry or we can feel ourselves wanting to complain and blame somebody else and we can actually then, once we know that that's what's about to happen, we can take a step back. Maybe you need to literally take a breath. Just detach. And then you can ask yourself, okay, how do I want to respond to this? Right, And now you can make an unemotionally uncharged response 
which is likely going to lead, in terms of the negative Nancy, likely going to lead to a better outcome where whoever you're blaming, whoever you're bitching about, complaining about, isn't, if it's to them, they're not going to get reactive and defensive to you. And it's actually probably going to escalate or just mitigate the system completely. And you know, if the other person, if they're giving grace, oftentimes they want to fix the situation, right? Nobody wants to be made the bad guy. Uh, so if we can give people grace and we can catch ourselves giving people grace before we bitch them out, usually makes everybody a little happier and we can feel better because, you know, look back at the past. Oh, hey, you know, I really don't have that much to complain about. Things are going better now. You know, now life seems for magically just look a little bit brighter. You know, there's not all these, these bad things because... We can then change it, and then eventually we can start looking for good things, you know, because if we're not filling our lives, again, in the example of negative Nancy, with these negative thoughts, these negative behaviors, this really, while it is powerful and probably infatuating feelings about all the negative, we literally create more room in our brain to fill it with positives, and your brain wants to fill itself, right? I don't, most people really don't like and aren't very good at just sitting still and doing nothing, right? And going on social media and is not doing nothing. You're still stimulating your brain. Um, you know, and then, okay, now let's talk about it. What about a person who's just simply unmotivated? They don't have any drive. They don't have anything that they want to do. They're like, yeah, you know, it's... New Year's Eve and New Year's resolutions are coming around like, I'm going to get healthy this year. You know, I'm going to go work out. I'm going to, you know, fix my relationships. I'm going to finally stand up for myself and, you know, I'm going to eat healthier. I'm going to stop drinking five nights a week and I'm going to drink more water. Right. But then January 2nd comes along and, you know, they kind of messed up on January 1st because they were hung over and they just didn't feel like it. And now they're like, well, I was going to do all that, but, you know, that beer sounds pretty good. Today was a long day, and, you know, nothing fixes a hangover like continually drinking, you know, because you can't get hungover if you're always drunk. Ha ha ha. Great thought process. Yeah, no. <laughs> um, so how do, we help, how do we help that person, right? And now that person, usually you have nothing detracting you from your goals right but you also don't see anything in your life bringing you towards your goals and this is where that conscious effort comes in right so we have to now insert conscious effort of things that we find motivating towards our goals back in the day vision boards were huge right you would create get like a, a poster board and you would pin or tape or glue all these photos, these quotes, these sayings, these images, um, graphs, you know, models, celebrities, cars, houses, clothes, brands, all over this board about things you wanted in your life, right? So if you wanted to make get rich, you'd post everything you associated and were driven by and motivated by that looked like what you consider rich. Right? Maybe it's Rolls Royce, maybe it's Bentley, you know, um, 
Maybe it's a really fancy watch or a suit or a dress or a really big house, you know. Uh, maybe it's just the money sign, right? And you're just like, ooh, I want to get that money. Got to chase the bag, right? And you'd put it somewhere you're always at. Most people, that either be like their desk, their door. Nowadays, I have a really good friend, Georgia, who is host of the Power of Mindset podcast with her friend, Hope. Uh, she did that, but she made it her screensaver. And she did different renditions for her phone, her laptop, and her iPad. So literally every time she opened a computer or her phone or her iPad, boom. First thing she got reminded of was her vision board. And I actually don't know how that's going for her, but I know Georgia this year was really intentional about her visions, her goals, and you know trying to create those and really you know quote unquote manifest them into reality. And so now once we've kind of started to put these things in there, again right we're getting that repetition. So if we see things all over us and all around us that are constantly reminding us of these things, our body's gonna, our brain, our RAS is going to be like, oh, you know, I see this all the time. It triggers these emotions. It triggers this urge in me. This must be important. I'm going to look for this more often because I deem this of high value, of high priority. And now, give it a couple weeks, a month or so, all of a sudden you start finding motivation and you start seeing running shoes you start seeing cute new fitness outfits you start looking up certain things on social media right and boom then you find yourself in the gym three days in a week for three weeks in a row and you're like holy crap this was so hard two months ago but now i just kind of find myself going there right it just seems like another part of the day it's no longer this massive overhaul to get over the urge like ah oh, i gotta go to the gym it's like oh yeah cool it's time to go to the gym right it's no longer it's mbd it's no big deal you just go with it you know and i think that's i want to spend a moment and talk about social media and because our social media is literally designed for this right the like button is designed to keep you coming back it's designed to get you to look at things that are more and more like it, right? I know Instagram, uh, not everything you see is who you follow. Some of it is sponsored ads, it's sponsored companies. But where do they get the inspiration, you know, quote unquote, or how does the algorithm know that's what you like? It's because of what you like and what you spend the most time on, on your screen, right? Like, I'll use my roommates for example. My, Insta my YouTube and my Instagram are fitness, motivational, personal development, um, some Christian stuff, and food, mountains and outdoors, you know, and comedy related to those things, right? Now, my friends, right, my, one of my best friends, Sam, he's a physics major. Well, if we look at his YouTube, oh, and some music, right? I like listening to... Um, React music video reactors. I think that's cool. Uh, if you look at Sam, he has got meme compilations, a whole bunch of physics stuff, whole bunch of engineering stuff, whole bunch of you know other things that he's interested in. Uh, there's one video we watched, like a 20 minute video about you know 
scientist proving some math theory because uh, he was telling me about a class and he's like oh there, there's this youtube video let me quick find it and he's like boom right on his page right he knows tons about that stuff he sees it all the time that's what he deems important and to him that's what he spends a lot of his time thinking about right for me i spend a lot of time thinking about all those things i listed right fitness food work personal development you know comedy related to that uh backpacking the outdoors you know and that's really what i think about most of the day is those things but that is simply because like my res is telling me to do that and even if i'm not i'm not on social media very much but i see it all the time right i was actually just telling my mom we're in indianapolis this weekend uh viewing touring you indy where i'm gonna move in a couple months and you know we were out to dinner i think it was, was it last night and i was telling her i was like yeah i just walk around like i can't help myself but i judge how everybody walks and how they move i was like oh yeah they probably have you know pain discomfort or imbalances in xyz places because they do this and you know you'd have to fix that or stretch that strengthen this you know this exercise would work for that and that's because that's literally what i spend all day doing right when i train clients is looking for imbalances so that you know or making sure that they're braced properly that they have the proper muscles engaged that you know they're being as symmetrical as they can so that we reduce risk of injury and that right you know we're balanced using the proper muscles uh and all that jazz and that's just what i totally see because i see it all the time now how we actually do this is we either have to put in the time and the sheer reps, right? There's, there is sadly uh, no way around the hard work uh, for the most people, right? Because the other way is you have to have some extreme or dramatic event. Think about the example with the traumatized kid. Um, the routine is really important so that they can identify trigger events very easily. Otherwise, everything seems like a trigger. Right, so if you've been through something, or I think a great example is people who have had near-death experiences. All of a sudden, they seem to like forget about everything else, and they just go after what they love. Right, it's like this total 180. Um, also, a lot of people who suddenly find Christ, they you know, there's a lot of stories like, oh, they were a drug addict's party, sex addict, and boom, now they drop all of that cold turkey go to church every Sunday, you know, they're deeply involved in the community and the church and totally different person, right? And now, because they had this uh, shakening experience, all they can see is are now things related to this, right? And they're like, uh, yes, this is all we're going to focus on. And then their life goes that way, right? So... That's kind of going to be, that. that is how we do this. It's literally just the time and intentions. So this leads me into my final part of today's episode, and that is a call to action for you guys. And that is to put something in your field of sights on your phone or on your social media, an actual poster, right? If you want to go old school and make a poster board um, or even a wall screensaver, a wallpaper screensaver. Uh, that is about something you want to cultivate in your life, right? 
And I want you to put it where you view it regularly. I want you to make a rhythm out of viewing it. And if you can turn it into like a physical activity, that would be even better. But I want to add a uh, an, an asterisk to that. I want whatever you put in there, like whatever you're going to make visible in your life regularly, I want it to trigger some sort of emotional response. And I want it to be a rather strong response, right? And that could be any emotion. Maybe it's warding you, I would say, make it more of a positive one. Uh, just because, you know, positive tends to be more enjoyable and we want to chase that. Because remember, either we drive towards pleasure or away from pain. Uh, we want to drive towards these things. And we want to cultivate more of whatever this is. But the reason we want it to be a positive response is a couple reasons. One, the more impactful and the more intense that emotion is, the more we're going to remember it. Uh, memory is information with emotion tied with an emotion. And the more things we can connect that in that memory to, that information and emotion tied to, the more things we can tie that to, the better rooted in our brain it is. It's like think about filling in a spider web. You know, the more things we can connect this one dot to, whether that be emotions, whether it be pieces of information, the easier it is to remember because now we have more connections to it. It's not just this one strand, right? That's kind of flimsy. We maybe have a hundred strands and it's a really strong thing. It's supported by a lot of other ideas. Uh, but also too, emotions are very visceral. Like you can physically feel your body change when we have an emotion and it just makes a larger impact on not only like your conscious brain, like your thoughts, but also your body, right? If you're going in and going to the gym and you see somebody you aspire to look like or closer to, and it really makes you motivated and not in like a depressed way, like, oh, I'm so terrible. Like, yeah, I really want to look like they're awesome. Like, I want to look like that. You know, I want to look as good as I think that they do. And it makes, you know, it motivates you in a positive way put that person there and remind yourself of it, right? Uh, one thing I've personally done is uh, in my car, on my mirror, I have my graduation tassel. And it's to remind myself every time I get in the car, I can do big things, right? I have a lot of really big goals and frankly, I've said this before, they scare the shit out of me. But because I graduated college and college was hard as hell a lot of times, it reminds me that I can do big things. And now I, I feel more confident looking at that. I feel good. I'm ready to go attack the day more so. And even if I'm not having a great day, it just puts me on a little bit better of a mindset, a little bit better of a path. So that's my call to action for you guys. Today we covered, a, again, a lot of information talking about the RAS. And this is closing out our three-part series on routines and rhythms um, the RAS is our reticular activating system. The biggest and most important function it has is acting as a filter for us to what's important, right? And so the things we do on the daily basis, it's going to look out for because it wants to automate our life, right? Thinking is hard, it's stressful, it takes a lot of energy. Uh, but the more things we can consciously place in there repeatedly, 
right? The more times we can repeatedly view something and the more powerful those instances are, the more we can change what our filter actually lets in. And that's, again, guys, how we're going to change our lives. That's how we're going to start actually seeing opportunities to grow, right? Is by looking at ways to grow, looking at people who have grown. Um, because it's, this is how I did it, literally. You know, if somebody else can do it, so can I. Why can't I? And then last part was just your call to action. You know, so put something where you're going to regularly see it, regularly going to hear it, uh, and ideally tie an action to it. But please do me a huge favor and tie an intense positive emotion to this reminder so that it's a more visceral response and we actually get a deep change in it. The more times we see it, the more powerful that response is, the more often we're going to look for it and the more we're going to move towards that. Um, yeah, so I hope you guys like this series. We'll be moving on, doing lots of other episodes. Got a couple interviews coming up I'm really excited for about spiritual wellness. Um, going to be talking about social media a little bit in the future. So don't be, don't miss out on those episodes. But most importantly, guys, do me a huge favor, share the show, and above all else, go out and earn yourself a good day.